Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series, where we ask people from all walks of life to talk about their perception of the future and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Sappen. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. Mostly, it is presented as scary and a loss of opportunities. The Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Let's see what today's guest thinks. Today, we've got with us David Hubbard. Uh, David's a, a chartered accountant by background, and he's got a business called Cinch, based in the Newcastle area. And David does a lot of work in the not-for-profit sector, helping people in that area improve their performance and make sure that all of the various aspects of their business is working well together. So David's got a lot of information and advice and good advice to share with us today. So let's listen to what David has to say. We're here with us today with Craig. How are you, Craig? I'm well, thanks, Steve. Nice to see you again. Hi, David. How are you? Nice to meet you. Yes, I'm well, thank you. And we've got David Hubbard with us today. So uh, welcome to our uh, little podcast, David. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, David, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. My background started off in chartered accounting uh, just over 20, 20 so years ago. And that was typically tax and compliance type of work. And I did my chartered accounting, um, a lot of experience in internal audit and audit work until I became a qualified chartered accountant. And with that, I took the knowledge I had and travelled and went over and worked in the UK, got some experience in the commercial area of accounting uh, and out of the tax and compliance area. And while working in the UK, living, traveling, um, got some project work. So business, worked with a, a lot of people on some projects and liked the outcomes. Um, and then when I came back to Australia, like we got, we got to a point where should we stay overseas and live in the UK or um, come back? But we did a lot of traveling. So we decided, you know, no place like Australia. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we did that. Uh, so we, we raised a family, two boys, eight and 10 years old. And seven years ago, I worked in and out of commercial businesses around the Hunter. And then seven years ago, I had the opportunity to take on the learnings that I had and experience and start my own business. And I founded Cinch, uh, yes, 2014. And the type of business that I founded was working with not-for-profits, specifically in the NDIS, but it's to look at those not-for-profits, improve their efficiency so that they're, they're strong organisations which are going to have a positive impact in the communities that they serve. And we were lucky enough, I, I partnered up with another colleague of mine who focuses on coaching, leadership and the human element. And with our knowledge together, we've built a model that allows us to do financial modelling or business transformation, which factors in the financial impact and sustainability of their finances 
to continue their services in the community with change and the human behaviour. Um, so we're talking about if we wanted some um, outcomes, it's going to depend on the people that we're working with in the mm. systems, but, you know, people's ability to change. Mm. So we've just started to um, get into that and we're starting to increase our awareness across um, the NDIS space in Australia. And we've got some sort of outsourced financial management services as well. So what do, what do you find really uh, interesting about this sector? Uh, because you've clearly made a decision to focus in on this, the non-profits and so on. What do, what do you find really interesting and exciting about it? Um, the thing that's, that's really exciting is we, we get close uh, to understanding our, our business, our, organ, our clients. Um, in the not-for-profit space, what, what I was thinking is I want the money necessarily isn't, isn't the issue. It's how, what we do with that sort of money. Um, and we're looking at maximising the, the impact that these not-for-profits have in their communities. And they're all different types of communities around Australia. There's large communities, there's rural and remote communities, and they have such an important role in bringing those communities together. Uh, it is a struggle, though, at times for organisations such as a, a smaller not-for-profit to be able to have and, and manage their finances in a way that allows them to deliver a lot of frontline service. So even with the big organisations we've worked with, um, you know, let's say you might save them a million dollars in a certain program that they're working with, it has such a positive impact, not only on the people in their organisation, but on the um, community that they're serving, that they're delivering services to. And we get a kick out of it because you see the, I guess, the fruits of the labour that you, the knowledge that we've, we're sharing with an organisation. And yes, we are running a business, so we, we charge organisations, but we, we're accountable for that. And we like to see the, the outcomes um, because a lot of the not for, specifically not for profits, is I don't like doing tax and compliance work. <laughs> um, and with not for profits, uh, you see that they're set up with passionate people to help others. And what we're doing is recognising, strengthening those organisations so that they can help more people. Um, and it's really rewarding, not just for me as a founder of the business, but for all of our staff. We actually measure certain things in those organisations, like how are we helping our organisations make a difference? Right. So you're helping people help people. That's pretty... That's uh, right. Yeah. Changing okay. lives. Change, yeah, it changes then. lives. Um, and just the... the stories that we're able to share with organisations saying to us, I don't know where I would have been if I hadn't had your advice and help, wow. you know, they may not have existed, which means there's going to be a, a gap in the community. Sure. And there's often other like larger organisations that might try and fill that gap, but you lose the personal connection uh, and that some of these smaller organisations have a fantastic connection with their communities mm. and it just sometimes gets lost if they're not there and it's you know run by a head office corporate somewhere in in the city sure but the about the actual community involvement and so on is the big different differentiator so yeah, it, yeah it's a huge differentiator it's, it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes because some of the organizations that are set up 
are often set up by people that don't necessarily have an understanding on the business and finance side of things, but they're so passionate about the services they're delivering. So we're just giving those guys some support so that there's a balance between what they can deliver with the funding they've got and the quality of their services. We're focusing on making sure that they're there for the long term. What are some of the challenges you see coming down the line as far as uh, technology changes and changes in the industry uh, for your industry? Um, if we're talking specifically NDIS or any anything that's that that large, there's a lot of organisations that um, they need to be efficient, and they're. Uh, there's so many different programs and, and software systems out there that you don't, sometimes they don't know which ones to choose. Mm. And my advice to those organizations looking for certain software is to map the business process. You know, what is the business process? How are you delivering services to these organizations or to your customers? And then get, you know, maybe three different software providers and put it over the top of your business processes and just have a look at whether it meets the, the business needs, what is a requirement that you need, what is um, a, a life to have and what's something that's optional. So is the technology um, piece, is it, a, is it a big part in the service, the quality of the service provision for these nonprofits? It is, it is a big part because if they're not investing in the technology they're usually using manual systems or relying on a person, and that that is a risk in itself. But it's also taking more time. Um, and what we're trying to do is be as efficient as possible with our admin time. Right. So, so when we're talking about technology, we don't want to take away any human element or um, contact with the customer. Mm. But if we take the uh, pandemic, a lot of our service-based businesses are having to deliver or trying to deliver services virtually, it's not exactly the same, um, but without those that technology, there would, there would be absolutely no contact with some of the people in the community that, that in their disability space still need services. So, so are you seeing, a, 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 based on what you just said, are you seeing a change in the types of people that are best suited to working in non-profits or the skills that are required to work in non-profits? There is a, a little bit, but I wouldn't say it's the main thing. Um, people in the not-for-profits are very resilient and I've seen them, you know, the pandemic has forced people to change. And, and we've been talking to organisations about improving their systems even before the pandemic came in because it just saves saves time, saves travel. And um the pandemic just forced organisations to do it. So people that had been in some of these organisations for over 20 years and not really, you know, interested or up to date with the latest technology, they've had to learn and, and they have. And so it's been really amazing to see because they come out on the other side of it going, wow, you know, I didn't know that, you know, it is, it is actually quite efficient. Um, and they're managing uh, to be able to deliver services. Um, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily a requirement, I think everyone is pulled together and, and the ones that are having difficult uh, difficulty are actually have learnt that it's not so hard to use. Um, the sector is still cry- like looking out for that human contact. Um, so whenever 
they get the opportunity to deliver services face to face, they still do that. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's sort of like a luxury these days, isn't it? Even sitting down and having a cup of coffee with someone, it's so oh, wow. Okay, we're <laughs> that's <coffee>. right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so in 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 the nonprofit, I imagine that uh, the leadership function within these organisations is quite critical. So. How do you think that this, uh, the changing the technology, the changing in delivery of services and the growth of the industry in general? In fact, I saw in the financial papers this morning that uh, NDIS is probably worth about $22 billion in the economy. So it's a, it's a huge right. industry you're talking about. Um, what, what, how do you, you think the leadership requirements are changing in the industry? I think it's, there's a distinction between a manager and a leader in, in the industry at the moment. And the leaders, I mean, we're forced to do some changes. When the NDIS came in, the organisations that had their head in the sand and didn't make any changes um, weren't really surviving. Either they went, some of them went into liquidation or some went, were taken over by some other organisations. So leaders have had to step up. And what I'm seeing is that there's more of an awareness around bringing that team with you in the direction that you're about to take the organisation. So there's support from their managers and then there's leaders that are needing to focus on the future and bringing their teams with them. So a lot of that takes good communication and awareness around, you know, communicating where we're heading. Um, and also there's a lot more focus on the end customer um, so it's not just, you know, if, if you're picking up the phone to answer the, a, a call, it's just as important as actually delivering the service to the end customer. Mm, so being there for the customer, but actually following through. Following through, yeah. The, the, the leaders that I'm finding specifically in this space that are doing really well are bringing out the care factor, mm. like they care about the organisation, they, they care about their staff, they care about the customer. And they're working out ways, like I said before, they're very resilient. They're working out ways to make sure that they are delivering quality services no matter what sort of impact is, is on the organisation or in the economy. Mm. Um, so there's a big care factor. And I'm not saying that it wasn't there before. I'm mm. saying that the leaders that are really doing well, it's come out and they're able to communicate that through the organisation. Um, and, look, there's a lot of uncertainty going on at, at the moment. The leaders that are doing well are communicating, they're thinking proactively, they're innovative, and they're not focusing on the, the bad things. They're actually focusing on how can we continue delivering services and stay connected with our customers. I think that constant theme is coming through with uh, people that Steve and I have been lucky enough to interview for this podcast series, that empathetic leader, that, e that leader with a, a heightened EQ or something. It's, uh, it's actually a real thing that's um, come to the fore, hasn't it, Steve? Mm, yeah. yeah, it has. Well, I've found just in the last six months or maybe eight months, um, there's a lot more content around about psychological safety. Sure. And uh, it's more than just customer, um, what do you call it, customer reviews or, you know, client. It's, it's a whole heap of things which involves how safe, you know, your organisation is to even talk to your leaders and look for innovation. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding that 
just talking about that with organizations and increasing awareness around it is some leaders are adopting it and really having those robust and care conversations with their staff and their customers about where they're going, innovation. You know, there's lots of things happening. Where it's, you know, before the pandemic, I didn't even hear about psychological safety. I heard right. about customer satisfaction and staff satisfaction, mm. but it's a lot more than that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, in the news almost every day at the moment. Even today, even this morning, the news had something about Lifeline and how it's being run off its feet uh, with the number of calls and the load, the call load. Um, it's definitely a phenomenon and something that where leaders can either rise up and meet or or not. I suppose to your point. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's interesting. We we worked with Lifeline uh, on their back office and systems for five years, mm. and the the change that they would have had to go through and the resources that um, they would have used to take all of these calls would be, you know, tripled or double tripled. You know, they're definitely doing a fantastic, fantastic job for a lot of people. One of the, uh, on a side note, as an example of some of the mindset um, in, in organisations that's, that's going on, the number of workers' comp claims have started to increase Um which is now being publicised, which also increases the awareness of our from our employers to say, yeah, let's start talking to our staff more about, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Let's help organisations get through that. Let's help our employees get through that. And sort understand. of like to mitigate the business risk in a way, but also to help the people uh, with their health issues and stuff. It is, it is. And look, it... Our staff, especially in the service-based sector, are our main assets. Sure. Um, so it makes sense to to focus on that and support our staff. Mm. So if people are listening to this and they're um, concerned about the future of work and what the future might look for them as they as they sort of uh, look down the track in their own lives, what advice would you give to them? That, that's a very hard question. It it's it's probably more difficult for some sectors than, than others. Um, but what I would say and what I have seen with organisations that we work with is that people are very resilient and there is a light at the end of that tunnel. Um, I think keep, wherever you can, keep um, thinking innovatively and well, actually, I'll share one of my own experiences in, in this regard. Um, during the pandemic, I we had a service-based business and a lot of my network was going through contacts um, at conferences and meeting people. Since then, I had six or seven conferences lined up and I thought all of those got cancelled. And I thought, well, how am I going to meet people and how I've got staff I need to look after? How am I actually going to get businesses? And all of our business came from referrals. So it's about connecting with people. So I thought, how can I connect with people um, without seeing them face-to-face and having coffees? And I came across an understanding about building your network so creating contacts with people that I don't normally, they're not my customers, but they're people that are similar. You get to know, like, and trust them. And I met a lot of different people. And through that and building 
a relationship with common-minded, like-minded people with similar interests, opportunities have come along. I mean, that's how Steve and I met by me building that network uh, and talking about different opportunities and talking about something that we have in common and making a difference. Mm. And so I guess I don't know if I've specifically answered the question, but what I would um, suggest is to do something and part of doing something is building your network with people that you get to know, like, and trust. And that has helped open, you know, various opportunities, not just from a business point of view, but from relationship-wise. And what we find is that we're not alone. There, there is always something that we can be doing. If I can just sort of uh, wrap this up and tie it together a little bit, um, I, th- I think one of the very strong things that I've heard from you um, in this talk and from you at other times as well is that you've got a very, very strong sense of purpose around people and about caring for people and about making the world a better place. And um, that sense of purpose uh, drives a, a lot of what you do and sort of what picture that we're trying to achieve. What, what are we actually working for? What are we trying to do in the world? And uh, to have some clarity about that, it's not just about fixing people's business. It's not just about making money. It's, it's about something bigger than that. And, but also uh, part of achieving that is taking responsibility for the day-to-day running of things, for being efficient, for having systems in place, for accounting for money, knowing what all these details are. And the technology bit fits into that as well. What do we need to be able to achieve this, this grander vision and grander goal that we're working towards? And then uh, as far as the leadership uh, goes, you, you talked about um, the focus on positivity, on having empathy, of caring, having caring conversations about uh, what's going on with uh, customers, with staff, uh, people and providing that psychological safety so that people can be their best and and uh, uh, give what they are able to give and and for people to develop that not just to be managers of, of people but but actually to really care and to provide leadership in that in that whole process so I think these are some valuable lessons that we can all take away to to know what our purpose is, to know what we're trying to achieve, to get the details right, and then to really show care uh, about our people and about what we're trying to do and and to step up and be a leader. So uh, I hope that sort of brings a bit of a summary as to what you were saying, David. Uh, That's what it meant to me at least. And uh, I thank you very much for your... uh, your contributions to our little podcast today Mm, yeah thank you so much it's a great summary i couldn't have summarized it any better (laughs) myself (laughs) Uh i think i think one of the things i have learned it it is coming through in the people that i'm talking to is around purpose and just being really clear on that purpose and our purpose is we get a kick out of helping organizations which are helping people in our communities 
And yeah, I couldn't thank you enough for summarizing it so well and for having me on today. Thanks. Thanks very much, David. It's been very informative yeah. and uh, I love your passion, so thank you. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humanize Workforce Future You. Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcast. The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews for future guests.